0: I ask you to take your Bibles. We're looking in Revelation chapter 2. We'll pick up at verse 18. This is the fourth church. Now, let me tell you something about this church. The church of uh, Thyatira. Thyatira, out of all the seven cities, this is probably the least important. It's not a city that had a lot of grandeur. Not a lot of culture there. There's not a lot of learning. It's probably the most insignificant of all the cities. And some people would say it's probably the most insignificant church. But here's what's interesting. This is the longest letter. Can I tell you something? When it comes to church, when it comes to being God's witnesses, we're not insignificant. When you're representing Christ, you're important. Jesus Himself went to Samaria. Some, why did he take a turn to Samaria of all places? Because there was a woman there. A woman that had five husbands, at one, five different husbands, been divorced that many times, and now was living with someone that wasn't even her husband. But her soul was important to Christ. He died for her sin to pay that price. Philip was preaching revival in the book of Acts at Samaria and things were going real well. And all of a sudden God says, hey, I want you to go to a desert. Why a desert? There's an Ethiopian eunuch that matters. You see, every single soul is important to God. And that's how come every Christian, what you're doing is significant. You're representing Christ. And even if it's to one." It matters. So that's how come this chapter, or this letter this church, is significant. Because every church is significant. And we need to stay on task. So with that in mind, let's just pick back up then in verse 18. It says, To the angel of the church in Thyteria write, These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, your patience, and as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sick bed, and those who commit adultery with her into a great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death. All the churches shall know that I am He who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one according to your works. Now I say to you, to the rest of in Thiteria, as many as do not have this doctrine who have not known the depths of Satan as they say I will put on you no other burden but hold fast what you have till I come. He who overcomes will keep my works until the end. To him I will give power over the nations. Then he quotes from Psalm 2. He shall rule them with a iron of rod and they shall be dashed to pieces like a potter's vessel. I also have received from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. Lord, will you bless this time? May your Spirit have a freedom. May you challenge us, and may we be different because of your Word. Thank you for each one. Help us to focus now in Jesus' name. Amen. John MacArthur, and I'm talking about, yes, the John MacArthur out in California. The fellow that... uh, You know, they were told, you can't have church. And nevertheless, John MacArthur, uh, he's now in his 80s, and he said, you know, I've done a lot of things for the Lord. Might as well. I'm going to go to jail. I might as well start a a prison minister. Never done that before. Uh, But I don't think it's come to that just yet. But they're having church in uh, defiance of what the governor said because he feels like their First Amendment rights are being violated. And so that but that's the John MacArthur I'm talking about. He was one day talking with this fellow about a relationship with Christ. And this man said, well, I've got a relationship with Jesus Christ. He said, I talk with him every day. He said, in fact, when I'm shaving, some days he'll come and he'll put his arm around me. And MacArthur said, you mean literally? He said, yeah, he'll put his arm around me. And, and MacArthur said, well, what do you do? And he said, I just keep shaving. And then MacArthur said, then that's not Jesus. You know, the church, sometimes we can lose our focus on who Jesus really is and Him being the center because He is the center of the church. He's the center of who we are. And this church had lost their center. And so Jesus, when He starts off in verse 18, He, he says, I'm talking about the Son, I'm the Son of God. Now, there in Thyteria, they had a temple to the god Apollo. Apollo was the son of Zeus. Jesus is saying, listen, I am the son of God. Jesus, we got to know who He is. He's, he's what we're about. Jesus is God the flesh. Jesus was born of a virgin. He came to this world. He lived a perfect life. And yet, He died. And why did He die? If you lived a perfect life, you shouldn't die. Death are for sinners. Jesus died to pay the penalty of sin. In fact, He would prove that He is the Son of God. He would prove that He was perfect and He would prove that sin has been paid for through the resurrection. Because Jesus is alive. And so Jesus states, I'm the very Son of God. But then He also says here, He talks about His eyes being as fire. And what he's saying is, basically, I know everything. If your eyes are at fire, and in Revelation, you, just get, you get pictures, and they talk in symbols. And so Jesus is saying, my eyes are like fire. That means I can see through you. See, a lot of times we put walls up. We try to hide things from God. People play games with God, but can I just be honest with you? You cannot play games with Jesus Christ. He, had, he has eyes of fire. And he's going to expose what's in our hearts and minds. I don't know if you... Let me remind you what he said in verse 23. He said, I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. So he sees right through. In the Gospel of Luke, you know what he said? Things that we've done in secret will be shouted from the mountaintops. So the Lord knows what's in our hearts and our minds. And He exposes those things. So He, Jesus, is all-knowing. Not only is He all-knowing, but notice here He also says He has feet like fine brass. And brass was always a sign of judgment. Jesus is the ultimate judge. The ultimate judge. Now when we think about judgment, there's two Main judgments at the end. There's what we call, from Revelation chapter 20, the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment is a judgment where people will be judged for their sins. So this is a judgment for people that have rejected Jesus Christ. People that have not accepted His forgiveness. Now someone may say, well, I've not really rejected Christ, I've just not accepted Him. If you've not accepted Him, then you've rejected him. It's one and the same. So it's a, those individuals will have to answer for their sins. They'll have to give an account for all the sins that they've done. The great white throne judgment. And by the way, with that judgment, you'll get sentenced. And it is an eternal sentence. It is one in which they will be cast into the lake of fire and be there forever and ever paying for their sin. Then there's also mention what we call the judgment seat of Christ. You'll read about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This judgment seat of Christ is not a judgment for sin. It's a judgment for Christians. Christians don't have to worry about this judgment for sin, and here's why. Their judgment for sin has been taken care of. Remember? It was judged where? On the cross. That's why Jesus shed His blood to pay the penalty of sin. So that's the good news. So this is a judgment of rewards. Now, not everybody is going to receive a reward, unfortunately. But hopefully, you will be at that judgment. Hopefully, you've received Christ as your Savior, and you are living for Him, serving Him, and therefore will be rewarded. Now, Christ is also at work being able to help us to get ready for that day. So He is at work in our lives. And so, you know what happens? A lot of times when we talk about fire, there's difficulties that come our way to be able to help purge or clean us so that we can be ready for that day. Now, there's some people that resist that. And there's some people that have got back out to sin. Now, can I tell you something? The Lord wants you to have purpose and meaning in your life. He wants you to live like you're supposed to. So He is at work in Christian's life Discipling them to bring them back, so that we can be able to live for Him, to be able to uh, to to actually uh, to to serve Him. And so, for some people, that means they're going to continue to resist, and that means that He'll discipline. If you resist the Lord's discipline, what you gonna what are you gonna do with a Christian that is supposed to be advancing the kingdom of God, but instead they're a stumbling block? You know what happens sometimes? Sometimes sickness takes place. And he mentions that here. He said, I've given her a chance to repent, and she's not, and she's going to soon be on her sick bed. Sometimes even death. You remember Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the church of Corinth were abusing the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper... Before they heard the Lord's Supper, they would have what they would call a agape feast, a love feast. But they were people that were showing up at these fellowship dinners and they weren't sharing. (laughs) That's not love. They were people that were coming and they were getting drunk. That's not what you're supposed to do. And so the Lord said, Paul says this, he says, that's why some of you are sick. That's why some of you have even gone to sleep or you have died. And so the Lord is just saying that here. It, discipline is coming, and, it, and if you're a Christian and not going to not going to heed the discipline, then this could be what awaits you. And by the way, some people might say, "Hey, I'm living in sin, and I'm a Christian, and and I'm not being disciplined." You know what that means? One of two things. It means one, you may not be a Christian, because God disciplines those that are His, and then secondly. It may mean you better look out because it is coming. Because God disciplines those that are His. So this church had lost their center, Jesus Christ. And if you lose Jesus as the center of what you're about, you know what that means? It means you're going to lose your message. And so here, now he first mentioned some good things that were happening at this church. But they had lost their message because they had poor leadership. And they focused just on one thing love. And notice that he mentions that. In verse 19 he said I know your works your love. And they had so much love. And he said and you could see it. You see, when you have love you see it in people's actions. He said you see it in your service. You have that word faith. It means faithfulness. You see it in your faithfulness. You see it in your patience. And he says and as you've gotten older instead of having less you've got more. Now, remember the church of Ephesus, the first church that we looked at? They had lost their love. Now, the church of Ephesus, they stood up against evil. They stood up against false teaching, against false prophets. But they had lost love. Remember what Paul said? He said, you know, you could be the best speaker in the world. But if you don't have love, you're just like a clinging symbol." People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And the church of Ephesus had lost that. They had lost love. Not the church of Thyatira. They had love. And they emphasized that. But you know what they had? They had the wrong type of leadership because that's all they emphasized. What they didn't emphasize was truth. They said, no, we just want love. Love's where it's at. But you know what Paul said to the Ephesians? He said, "You need we preach the love, we preach the truth in love. You have to have balance. And they were out of balance. You see, they had love, but they didn't have doctrine. One lady said, I want to go to a church that just has love, where it's just positive, And that's all it is. No, no, you've got to have balance. She said, I don't want doctrine. Doctrine means teaching. Doctrine is truth. You know what she said? The Ten Commandments are old and outdated. And they're offensive. Friend, God never changes. He's the same to yesterday, today, and forever. And the Ten Commandments, they're not outdated. They're God's. God give them to us out of love. And it's the way that we should go. Oh, I know it is offensive. It's offensive to tell people adultery is wrong. Marriage. Marriage. Sexuality should be in marriage. It's good, and that's where God created it for. Outside of that, it's wrong. And people get offended. But the truth hurts. But you know what people need? you got to love people enough to tell them the truth. And so the church at Thyatira they were just about love and what they had done. They had the wrong doctrine. Not only did they have the wrong doctrine, but friends, they also had love, but they didn't have courage. You see, because it takes courage to stand up to culture. It takes courage when people say, this is how it's got to be. You know, you've got to go along with me. You got What you're preaching is offensive. It takes courage to stand on the truth and say, well, we're going to stand with God. We're standing with God's Word. And so the church of Thyatira had lost that. They lost their message. They had lost their center. They had lost their voice. How did that happen? How do you lose your voice? They had began to listen to this prophetess, Jezebel. Now. Who would name a girl Jezebel? No one. Who would name their son Judas or Benedict Arnold? You're not going to do that. They're traitors. And Jezebel stands for thing, immorality and you're not going to name your daughter that. So why is Jesus mentioning Jezebel? Because that's what it, this person reminded Him of Jezebel in the Old Testament. He wanted you to focus in on what Jezebel had done. Jezebel was a daughter of... Of a king. And then she married the king of Israel, Ahab. And she led them astray because she worshipped a god named Baal the temple there and they led the children of Israel into worshipping idols and with idols came immorality. So he says in essence this prophetess was doing just that. Now look with me what it says in verse 20 when it mentions Jezebel. That woman Jezebel calls herself a prophet. A prophetess. Now notice the word she calls. She's the one that called herself a prophet. A prophet is a spokesman for God. And she's saying, I'm speaking for God. But here's the key. God's not the one that called her. When Jeremiah was living, Jeremiah said there was people that going around and saying, hey, peace is coming, peace is coming, peace is coming. But Jeremiah said, those people said they're speaking for God, but God doesn't know them. It's not speaking through them. Peace is not coming. God's judgment is coming. We've rebelled against God and judgment is coming. And Babylon is going to come. So they were they didn't represent God. And that's what's happening here. This lady said, I'm speaking for God. God didn't call her. How do you know when somebody has called God or has been called by God? How do you know when when if you go to church, how do you know that your pastor has been called by God? I can tell you, when I was in seminary, there were some people there that they were there because their mama wanted them to go. <laughs> they were there, they thought, you know, it, this might be a good profession to go into. What we need is people that have been called by God, that's been burdened by God. So how do you know? This is God's Word, the Bible. And when somebody somebody is preaching the Word of God and going by the Word, that gives you a pretty good clue. But when they go against the Bible, when they say, you know what? The Bible says this, but I think I've got a better plan. They're not speaking for God. They're speaking against God. And that's what was happening here. And so this prophetess was called by herself. She was teaching a false message. And what was she doing? Here's what she was doing. She was telling people, she said, listen, in Thyteria, there's guilds. That's where the jobs are at. It's like unions. If you want to have some money, you've got to work for those guilds. All you got to do, you show up at their temple. Just eat. Fellowship with them. You don't, have to, that's all, you don't have to do much more. Just fellowship. That way you just acknowledge that they're for real. That's all you got to do. Then you can have jobs. Then you can have money. And with your money, we can actually advance the gospel. Do You know, that's what some people reason today. They say, you know what? What I'm doing is wrong. But it's okay because I'll have more money and then I can give more to the church and then the gospel can advance. God, God wants you to get your life right. Some people reason that. They say, you know what We can. What I'm going to do is balance things out. I can do wrong, but if I balance it out, it's okay. It doesn't work like that. If you steal, you know what that makes you? A thief. Well, what if I take a tenth of that and give it to God. That makes it okay to steal, right? No. That still makes you a thief. And you're accountable for what you do. You're accountable to that, for that sin. See, there's a lot of people who have a wrong ideal about scales. It's not going to be like that. Every sin is going to have to be accounted for. And if that's how come you need a Savior, and that's what Jesus Christ is. So this false prophet was teaching a wrong message. And so people were going down to the temple and they were eating. And you know what happens at the temple? At the temple, they were also part of their worship were prostitutes. And the next thing you know, there was Christians involved in that. And God said, "Mm, I'm I'm not putting up with this. And that's what this letter is about. You have compromised. You've become corrupt because you've allowed this teaching to come in. It's not good. And I'm not putting up with it. And God began to discipline. Chance for repentance. And work. So this prophet, is, by the way, this prophet has led God's people astray. A prophet leads, a, a preacher of God, somebody that's going to represent God, is leading people to God, not away from God. This person was leading people away from God. So what's the answer? Repentance. And the Lord said, I give her a chance to repent. She's not responding. I'm giving her a chance. So now he says, those that are following her, I'm giving you a chance. An opportunity to repent. Now some people may say, you know, I'm not sure how much longer am I going to have to have to repent. I don't know. But if you're here today, the good news is you may, you may be doing things that you shouldn't be doing, but God is at work in your life. And He loves you. And he, wants, he wants to turn you around. And it starts with repentance. That means to turn from your sin to the Lord. Listen, you may be here. Somebody may be listening it's not a Christian. And here's the good news. You may, your life may be miserable, but Jesus Christ is the answer. You know what? Sin brings about death. And that means death in relationships. And there's people thinking, you know, my relationships are ending. What can I do? I'm telling you what you do. You turn to Christ in repentance. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life. And Jesus is the one that brings life into our relationships. Jesus is the one that makes a difference in what we're doing. And so you need to turn toward Christ, away from that sin. That's repentance. That's repentance. Receive Christ as your Lord and Savior by faith. Change your life. As Christians, as we read this, you know what it should cause us to do? Is to recommit ourselves to the gospel. Recommit ourselves and realize that God is at work in the church and we're not insignificant. And where I'm at is important. And I can't feel sorry for myself. God wants me to be a Christian and His representative where I am. And I need to get to work because people are counting on me. It may be that one person that you're working with, that one person in your family, or that one person that's a neighbor. But you're God's representative. And we need to be that, that person for the sake of the Gospel. Let's take a moment. I want to have prayer this morning. Lord, what a great day to be in Your house. Your Holy Spirit's been at work. Thank You for the encouragement through song. The messages behind those songs. And Lord, I want to thank you for your word and the challenge that comes from it. And Lord, today, if there's anyone, anyone that needs to respond, may you help that person to have courage. Help that person today not to put it off, but to be able by faith to say, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. Today, to make a decision to stand and say, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Lord, may You bless in these decisions. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you for coming. Listen, I'm going to hang around. If you want to talk to me about making a decision about how to follow Christ, I'll be here. And you just come and I'll be glad to talk with you. Listen, you have a good day. we got the offering boxes at the door's. Uh, the guys have got these CDs. If you want one, one perfect.